movies were never safe to begin with, and the truth is stranger than fiction. Starring Moral Bob, Drew Misson, and Andy Rouse. Conspiracy Theater 3000. Our impulses are being redirected. We are living in an artificially induced state of consciousness that resembles sleep. Something given has no value. Well, I got a couple of thousand goddamn questions, you know? The world ain't what it seems, is it, Gunny? I want to speak to someone in charge. The moment you think you got it figured, you're wrong. Enforce, my friends, is violent. They've been studying it for years, fighting our weaknesses. I want a lot to complaint. <laughs> you're safe and alive. You're already dead, everybody. They have created a repressive society, and we are their unwitting accomplices. The world is a business. You have no right to make people crazy. We've got to stop them! They're going to kill us all! How come I know so much? Their intention to rule rests with the annihilation of consciousness. What the hell is going on around here? Who's going on, you people? They are safe as long as they are not discovered. That is their primary method of survival. Keep us asleep, keep us selfish, keep us sedated. We accept the reality of the world with which we're presented, with which we're presented, with which we're presented. Roger. Oh, shit. Am I hearing things? In a time where private business has unlimited power, where every aspect of your life is being controlled. Listen, a voice in your head is talking to you. This is a normal strand of hair, but for us, it can also be an antenna. You think you can handle the truth? And she is not who she pretends to be. You mean nothing to them. They won't kill you. Tell me what I'm doing! I'm not supposed to be here. So obviously people heard it. I mean, there it is, Metropia. I heard you first mention this, Ryan, multiple times on your show, maybe more a year or so ago, then a couple of times on Monday Night Master Debaters. I still actually hadn't got around to watching it until you actually put it up for the show today. So uh, thanks for that. And it's eternally going to give me nightmares due to the animation style. It is a weird style, man. It it really is. But I mean, you know, when you guys invited me on to do this with you too, I just thought right away, I was like, dude, this is, if I ever get a chance to recommend a movie and make you two watch it and then hopefully encourage other people to watch it, this is the one. Now there's others, but this one to me, man, it checks all the boxes. You know, Bob was saying this earlier before we started recording. It really is everything. It's mind control. It's, you know, mass media. It's government collusion with corporations, corporatocracy, all this stuff. So, you know, I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And it's uh, it really is something I recommend everybody watch. 
Yeah, it's it's in that uncanny valley, right? Like where the animation is close enough to human where it looks kind of just like real but altered, you know, like you recognize that as a human face, not a cartoon face. It's very um it's stuff like Scanner Darkly where it looks like right. it was filmed and then animated and then turned into animation, right? And so it actually that's looks what like makes the animation, it so weird. It actually looks like the animation style that you see in the kids' show Angela Anaconda, where they take real actors' faces and then manipulate them in such a way that it becomes animated. Right. There's some... Uh, isn't there... Oh, it's... Uh, have you seen Love, Death, and Robots? Oh, I yes. love that show. Oh, love it. there's a couple of those that have similar animation where it's like, wait, I know that actor, but it's animated. Like, you see the recognizable face, but it's an animated uh, everything else. And it's very much like that, but the bodies are all creepy and puppet-like, almost marionette-like. Mm-hmm. It's it's real fucking creepy. <laughs> but now, you mentioned see. earlier that this is photographs of each individual actor's face or parts of the faces, and then AI kind of stitches it together, right? Well, there's some sex scenes in this movie where you see titties. Were those titties photographed as well? From what I understand, I think that they would obviously have to be edited because, you know, Juliette Lewis is Nina's voice, right? Right. Um, which is wild because she's a Scientologist, um, pretty connected in Hollywood, even though you wouldn't really think of her as being such, right? Like she's kind of uh, drifted into B or C or even lower than that as far as celebrity uh, stardom goes. But yeah, it's yeah, basically... but she's from that that Lewis royal bloodline. Like the Lewis family is connected, right? And there's a Skarsgård in this film as well, right? So that's oh, that's another Skarsgård. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this dude that directed it, um, Tariq Saleh, and I, you know, I know um, Drew, you do a really good job of kind of like introducing like what we're talking to and stuff. So I don't want to step on any of that. But this dude. Is you know he's from Stockholm, a Swedish television producer. Uh, you know, got into animation and all this stuff, and he comes up with this really, really revolutionary thing. And I watched a, a quick, like, three minute interview of him as to like how he came up with the idea to do this. And he said he wanted it to feel like it was real, but also like there was something wrong. Almost if you were like having like a dark dream, almost nightmarish. But uh, so it's funny that you said that, Drew. But it's you know the idea of like. You're watching it, and you just can't put your finger on why these things don't look right. My name is Tarek Salen. I'm a film director from Sweden who have been mostly working with uh, feature documentaries and uh, short animated films before. Seven years ago, we decided to do a feature film uh, animated uh, in a technique that we had started to develop in uh, Adobe Photoshop and Adobe After Effects. The idea behind behind it was to make a sort of a collage uh, of different photos but to make it so well that it wasn't a collage anymore that it was a solid picture with its own uh, lighting and with its own uh, rules you're going to look at something and it's going to look realistic but at the same time it's going to look like something is wrong in it almost like in a dream where you uh, where you try to explain to someone else what you saw in that dream that didn't really, you know, it had its own internal logic. When you were dreaming, it all felt totally uh, logic. But when you 
try to explain it to someone else, you realize it doesn't make sense. We grew up basically with, uh, with Photoshop uh, and uh, we knew the software very, very well. And uh, it, it was such a natural tool to use. I mean, there's not even a question whether we like it or don't like it. I mean, it's our tool. That's the tool we're working in. I mean, it's like uh, asking a, uh, you know, an artist if he likes brushes and, and oil paint. I mean, that's what he's working with. It's, it's uh, uh, totally natural. You need to work with people. I, I believe that. I be believe very strongly in actually uh, cooperating with people that are better than you and for them to be interested in working with you is that you inspire them by saying that we are working on a very important project you have to believe that too I mean otherwise it's not it's not fun yeah absolutely that's what gave me an uneasy feeling while watching it Bob's nailed it he ticks all the boxes for what you want in a conspiracy film hits all the themes that we we find out and we learn about in our in our little community but it's just the animation that throws you off while you're watching the dark ominous tones about it it really sets an uneasy feeling of you when you're trying to pay attention to details of it right yeah man it's definitely dark like you know i wouldn't recommend it was funny, dude, Bob, you were saying, like, should my kids watch it with me? Because it's animated, right? So, and I'm like, oh, like I how think fucked so. up is it? Right. But, like, I'm never one to be like, no, Bob, you shouldn't. <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you how to watch, like, what to let your right. kids watch. Like, I'm never one to say that. So, I'm like, ah, I don't know, man. Like, if it was me, well, I wouldn't. I didn't know, like, if it was, like, just a fucked up kids movie or if it was an animated adult movie. And it's clearly an animated adult movie. 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not a kids movie with some conspiracy shit in it that's cool and fun. You know, it's it is straight up adult material. Yeah. It yeah. is. All right. Let's so let's set the tone. As discussed and as you would have heard from the trailer, our film for today is Metropia, the 2009 animated film starring the voices of Vincent Gallo, Juliet Lewis, Alexander Skarsgård. It's a bit of a strange dark quirky film that's set in the near future where oil reserves are nearly depleted and Europe is connected by a series of underground tunnels. While navigating these tunnels, our protagonist Roger hears a voice, one in particular. Seeking a way to rid himself of the voice only leads Roger deep into a bizarre conspiracy of control and mind and body. So let's take a trip to Europe in the year 2024, a dark age where the automobile is no longer in use, replaced by a cross-country subway system, the most popular product on the market pretty much the only product on the market, is a shampoo manufactured with a secret mind-control chemical, which the major corporations use to monitor the public in a George Orwellian fashion. And it is very Orwellian, because you find out very quickly in the movie that, because I have it written down, man, way at the top of my notes, I said, uh, I said surveillance slash telescreen. Like in 1984, where they're watching you, you you'll see in the even in the first few minutes, you see it zoom through the TV, mm -hmm. right? Like it comes through the screen and then it's there, and so it's a subtle hint towards it. Um, and it's it does open in this dark scene where it's just like a call center. You see that it's called Super Calls, and it's just freaking aisles and aisles of little cubicles with people in it making phone calls. Uh, Isn't it ironic that they use those teletubes or televisions where 
today's televisions are so smart they actually have inbuilt cameras on them now. Right. Yeah. And you actively have to opt out for that, but they're built into pretty much every single smart TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. It is interesting too, the whole filter, right? Like the whole, like there's almost a cloud over the entire world, right? It's dark and, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but you know, that, and obviously we give spoilers in these things, right? But, you know, that changes later, the the whole cloud over the city and all these things, right? So it, it, there, there is a lot here, man. I, I wanted to kind of see where you guys were going and obviously I can talk about this film all day, but the way in that call center, how that supervisor is like, Hey, I heard that you're riding your bike to work. You know what I mean? Like, why are you doing that? Why aren't you taking the subway? It's, or it's the... illegal. It's illegal. Yeah, yeah. It's illegal. And not without reason. Right. And said. I thought it was a motorbike too, but it's a push bike. It's illegal. It's a yeah, pedal bike. And, and he says, you know, he, he, when, you know, the main character here, Roger is saying like, you know, I, I don't know. Like he's kind of a shy, awkward dude. Right. And the boss says, you know what I used to love doing was skydiving which is now illegal as well because you can't be floating through this toxic air and you, you essentially, you don't really have a life in this time. And this is in 2024, if I'm remembering correctly. Right. So yeah, exactly. next year, baby. So, I mean, not that, not that this is what's going to happen in 2024, but I think it alludes to that 2030 agenda stuff where there is a lot of this stuff and fun fact, I, and everyone should do this, uh, including people in Australia, people all around the world, you should type in your city and type in uh, 15 minute city regulations and see Ooh. if your city is supposed to be a 15 minute city. My city, Tucson, Arizona, the city council actually vowed to become a 15 minute city or a series of 15 minute cities by 2030. So, Holy shit, really? Well, here he you yeah. go, Ryan. Shameless plug for my own show. I recently had on a, a group from the Yarra City Council here in Victoria, the first 15 minute city in the country. The community group took their council to the Supreme Court and lost. And the Supreme Court said that it's perfectly okay for local councils and city councils to implement UN agendas. Yeah. Well, which is wild. Like, there's been 15 minutes. See, I think they do this on purpose, though, because there's been 15 minute cities. They just didn't call them that. You know, it was like, oh, I'm down into the, in the, you know, Midtown. And Midtown is an area where high rises and everything you need right there. It's all right well, the industrial part of town. You know, and then you go to the little suburbs, and the suburbs have the freaking grocery store on the corner and a Walmart on the other corner and gas stations and shit. And it's all right there. You know, the bank, there's a branch, branch of a bank. And so there's been these little 15-minute cities. I lived in Austin, and, dude, there's Austin is just made up of 15-minute cities. Sure, but I think that the difference here is uh, it gets back to kind of how this movie is to where that's just convenience. Obviously, I mean, it'd be great to have all this shit within 15 minutes of your house just for for convenience purposes. You know, some people can't afford cars, whatever. That's great. That's how they sell it, too. That's how they sell it. But the, the whole thing is that you're not allowed to leave whenever you want. You're allowed to leave these places for a certain amount of time, and you have to pay if you want to leave anymore than your few hours that's allowed. So there's a lot of stipulations yeah, 15 minute city sounds good, but you know, and again, it goes back to this movie. So I think it's something really valid to talk about with this stuff. But yeah, well, it's um, like, I wonder if, um, if our guy, his name's Roger, you see, you hear it in the trailer. His name's Roger. And, um, like he clearly hates his job. You know, he hates his job. You're stuck in this dystopian time where you just, you have to go to work. You can't miss work. If you're late to work, they'll call in a temp and replace you. 
Like it's it's very much where it's it's almost forced. Again, it's very much like 1984, where Winston, like it, you have to go to your job. You have to. You don't have a choice. Like that's where you're supposed to be. And if you're not there, they go looking for you and shit. Um, and it shows him riding his bike in the rain. And uh, and then it that, there's a part that I saw in the beginning where he sticks his finger in a glass and then yanks it out real quick. And it's like it, it nips his skin, but you can't see what it really was. Cause it was dark as shit. Uh, so what that was, because you, you said you were watching it during the day. Yeah. There's a dead fly in his cup. Yeah. It's a cup of water and he, oh, or okay. a beetle or something. He picks it up, looks at it and then wants to drown it. It's like, he's, he's it's almost like he's like, I have the power to kill this thing. Um, or, or, you know, put it out of its misery. He could have taken okay. it out. Yeah, he just I didn't see anything. I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, what's in the water? I have it written here. What's in the water? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And they're keeping they're keeping military time, right? So they're on a, a 24, 24 hours, huh? hours time cycle, not 12 and 12. Um, and he hears this voice in his head, you know, and he just thinks that it's it's himself. He's like, I can drown it out. I can drown it out. Because it starts yeah, off yeah. when he's dreaming. He hears that when yeah. he's like waking up from a nightmare or something. And it's like, you know, I, everyone's woken up, kind of snapped out of a dream, right? Like you're, you're laying in bed and you flinch, right? And you're awake. Right. That's kind of what it seems like in the beginning. You're like, okay, this dude's schizophrenic or something when you first start watching it. I've got to show you guys something before we jump too far into this. I'm going to share my screen. And for the listeners, I'll describe what we're looking at. Um, let's find it. Where is it? Here we go. So the animation reminded me of this, Ryan. And I'll go down, enlarge my screen. Can you see the Guardian article I've got up? Yes. Yeah. What human faces might look like in 100,000 years? Oh, wow. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Big eyes. Big eyes, larger heads, small uh, chins. That's, this yep, just looks yep, just like Roger. Looks just as creepy. Big eyes and huge foreheads may be the new look for the year in 102.13, according to researcher Nicolai Lamb. So yeah, Based that's what drove me to it. Who oh, God knows, probably social sciences at this point. But that was what wow. I was thinking of. Uh, the listeners, I'll pop that up on our Instagram so you can see it as well. But little interesting takeaway from that that I noticed. <laughs> that's a good catch, man. Really yeah, good catch. Dude. I mean, it's uncanny. It's that's it, the Fucking, same faces. It's the exact same shit, dude. It's <laughs> wow. that big eye stuff, you know. Yeah, and the big uh, heads, like aliens, right? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Like. They're they're I've, trying um, to normalize that, it seems. Yeah, they want that look. I've got um a couple of little takeaways from it as well. Anna, who plays the role of the girlfriend for George and um for Roger in this film, rather, she has a t-shirt on throughout the film that says maybe he hasn't called because he's washing his hair. Yes. Yes, and you see really early on the the shampoo. Like it's super early that they introduce the shampooing into it and kind of focus on the follicle follicle and then it goes into the next scene um and the next scene is a billboard or something that says like emotions and it's like a 1900 number it's like a freaking if you feel emotional call this number yeah whether it be happy sad if you feel any yeah. emotions just reach and out there's we'll... one that says listen to the inner you and this is after you've heard you know, the voice in Roger's head. And that's when you start kind of putting things together. Like, all right, wait a minute. This is, this is some mind control shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's very interesting, man. The shampoo plays a massive role in this entire thing. Like it's everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting who the the name of the the character which owns this shampoo company is, right? So here's a little bit of entomology and breakdown on the names. So the main bad guy in this, the big bad guy, the Klaus Schwab of the world in this film is named Ivan Bahn. And in German, Bahn means railway. So he's literally the guy that owns the railway systems. Then we get our main character, Roger Olufsen. So Roger is from the German uh, elements, Rod meaning fame and Ger meaning spear. So he's a famous spearman. So he's trying to... um, He's almost looking for fame in this film by going against the status quo. And Olafson, his last name, pretty common name in Scandinavia. It just means son of Olaf. But it has a nice little link with Stockholm and the place where um, the director of this film comes from. So it's a cheeky nod to Clark Olafson, who was a notorious Swedish celebrity gangster responsible for the term Stockholm Syndrome, which is a psychological response to being held captive in which the hostage forms an attachment to its captor. And throughout this whole film, the whole world is uh, in a relationship with the the elites that run the world. They have right. Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Like, it, it, like I, want the, I want the job of finding the name for characters in movies to have these subtle meanings that only crazy people like drew would be looking into (laughs) like that's what a job there is somebody out there that that's what they do they they research they get the script and they have names to come up with and they just hide little shit in there with the way they do the names right Uh, next we have nina who's our love interest for roger throughout this film so nina's derived from spanish it actually means little girl, which is ironic because she's a little girl of Ivan. We find out later on that she's the daughter of the big bad guy. Yeah. And then we move on to Stephen, who's almost like the the handler in the film for Roger, the guy's the voice in his ear. Um, his name is derived from the Greek Stephanos, meaning crown or garland. Um, and people who are influenced by garlands tend to be great um, people who are gifted in diplomacy and skilled at avoiding conflict. And all that we see from this character as his world starting to unravel is he's trying to avoid conflict from the company or the elites that he works for. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I didn't realize too, that there was two scars guards that played in this movie. Yeah. The father and son. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Yes. Yeah, Stellan and uh, Alexander. I'm looking at the cast right now. Kind of wild. Right. Cause those two, I mean, those dudes are weird, man. You know, Very weird. there's like four of them. There's the three sons and the father. Can't tell me that's not something strange going on. Right. right. Yeah, a little, little in-out action. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's very strange. But yeah, uh, continue with this. Did you have more names? I did. So the main bear guy, his name to the public is given as um, Barn. That's his last name to the public. But we find out in the film he's got a, a bit more of an elite name. and His, his last name is Swartzkroot. Um, Swartzkroot isn't necessarily a real name, but when you break it down into its two components, Swartz is derived from the German word black and Kroot is Gaelic for hunch. Um, so if you're looking at Nina as um, having a, a black hunch about her, you get a bit of an interpretation that the hunch is she's not quite the hero in this film that you think she is. So there's a bit of a dark air around her. Mm. I like it, man. That's really good. I like how you do that for these guys. 
All right. Ryan, you're the guy who's seen this more than anyone else. How about you get the ball rolling with this film? Yeah, I mean, you you did a good breakdown. We kind of got through that first scene of like, you know, just where, where, you know, you know, he gets through this. He, he has this horrible job that he hates. It's all dark. Nothing. It seems like no one's happy. Um, and then we we get back to his house, right? It seems like him and his girl, they don't really even care about each other. They just live together and all this stuff, right? And he wakes up from work the next day. This girl kind of wants to have sex. You know how you wake up in the morning, you're kind of horny, you're ready to rock, right? And he starts, you know, getting a boner, which I don't mean to be crude or anything, but he starts getting a boner and he's like, well, no, let's not have sex. I'm going to be late, right? Goes in and rubs one out to the model on the Dankst shampoo bottle because he just thinks that she's so hot. Now, it is interesting that his girlfriend's kind of like dark complexion, looks almost like Indian, maybe like a touch of black or something yeah, in and his girlfriend. Yeah, she's got an accent. Yeah, a little bit, right? Right. And the girl on the shampoo bottle is like lily white, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, and he goes Hardly in there. Area. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, goes in there, rubs one off to her, um, and then you see the whole shampoo scene that you were talking about, Bob, where like you see the shampoo going into his hair follicle. And this goes back to something that I actually researched on my show. I did a deep dive into the timeline of fluoride and how fluoride has been just, I mean, since the thirties minimum, this has been pushed hardcore onto people and your skin in different areas of your body absorbs a ton and your scalp. It's something like 40%. Uh, of whatever you put onto your scalp absorbs into your bloodstream, right? Now, obviously, it's very close to your brain. Your ear canal, I think, is a little higher. It's like 43% or 46 or something like that. Your scrotum is 100%. Anything that you touch onto your balls absorbs into your body, like everything does. So that's what's interesting. That's why, you know, the whole thing with soap is so interesting here. And you you put it together really quickly that there's a connection with the voices in his head and everyone is hearing these voices. You just don't realize that yet, but you put the connection together that there is some, something to be said about the railway, the soap and this mind control. Right. Um, And then one thing I want to mention, go ahead. Sorry. Speaking of voices, did you note the time that he woke up hearing the voice from sleep the first time? Three 30 in the morning. Okay. 33. Yeah, I did not notice that, but I wouldn't. I mean, I was going to say either 333. I forgot that we're on military time there. Uh, it could have been that could have been 1111. I mean, there's all these different things, right? But yeah, 330 is perfect. Um, And that's the witching hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Between two and uh, between three and four, right? Yep. So, you know, I wanted to give you guys a chance to say, you know, what you thought up to this point of the movie where, where you know, he's going back to the railway, right? Because he, he takes his boss's advice and he's like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't ride my bike anymore. I don't want to get arrested. So I'm going to get on the railway. And right when he's walking in this, there's this dude that like kind of scares him. It's a weird thing where the guy's like, don't go in there, you know? And it's almost like he's hearing something too. And the guy's like, what the fuck, man? Like I'm trying to get back and be a normal person. There's someone pushing me to not just be normal. And you see these ads in there that it's like a TV screen. And when you walk by it, it's literally a person's face and it looks at you and it follows you. Like it's talking to you the whole time. Right. (laughs) It's so weird, man. I could see that stuff happening, but I I mean, I'm interested as like what you guys observed or like what you thought. And then there's, there's a protester or something right around that time. And he's like, remember there used to be seasons 
there was yes. fall and he like he's like they there used to be a different time like he's talking about how it was a different time and so you get the idea that it's just shitty outside all the time very much like um dark city have y'all seen dark city from it was maybe yeah 98 the impression you get is that the world is always overcast at very least right. even during the day um there's no seasons the thing I noticed was when it panned across the city when he was coming home on his bicycle and then the next morning, the city looks decimated. There's buildings that you can tell people are living in, but the majority of them look unoccupied. And then you see the highways. Like yeah, it looks like there's the car. It looks like um, the highway into Kabul when it got bombed by the Americans in Iraq. It's just, it just looks like bombed out cars everywhere. They don't even necessarily look like they've just been left to rot. They look like they've been decimated. Um, and it's interesting to note that he would have taken his bike, but when he goes to check on it in the morning, someone's destroyed it. It's busted. They've buckled yeah. the wheels and it's busted up. So he's kind of forced to. And he's yeah. like, ugh. And so he walks to work. And, and I don't think you ever really dude. get an answer. Creepy. Yeah, you don't really get an answer as to who did that, right? But you, you kind of think that like it must be his boss or it must be maybe this guy. Uh, I think the character's name's Steven or Stefan, right? Yeah. Um his voice in his head. Yeah, Stefan. And this is um, when you hear Stefan like actually start like um saying what he was thinking. So not not only is Stefan there listening and paying attention, he's literally reading his thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. And that protest you were talking about, Bob, that he sees on the television, on the news, on the train, it's a protest in England against the World Economic Forum. It says that on there? It says it's a protest against the World Economic Forum. Wow. I didn't catch that. I didn't catch it either. I was writing and looking. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, like I said, I've seen the movie a dozen times at least, and I'm like halfway asleep while I'm watching it, man. So it's interesting that like if you actually actively pay attention to this movie, you can pick up things like that, man. I did not know uh, that they mentioned the World Economic Forum in there. Um, Before we move too far ahead, too, I want to show you guys this. Um, I just found this, like, this wasn't something that I planned or anything. I, I Googled it to pull up the, um, Googled Metropia to pull huh. up Wikipedia. There's a company oh, called Metropia. And if you look at what it is, it's a group of transportation engineers, network modelers, and data scientists, all with solid academic backgrounds, practical experience, and passion for solving urban traffic congestion uh congestion problems with creative cutting edge solutions so this is wow. a real thing this is back in <laughs> look, 2019 look at the slogan the- metropia driving better cities right driving a better city <laughs> and you got your rainbow in the thing right i mean uh it, it is Whoa. it is uh it seems to be like i don't know if this is a joke um there's a I team can, i here. can go check it out i live in i live close to houston yeah it shows a team. It's a, a fairly diverse little cast of uh, team here, but yeah, apparently these people are are you know focusing on creating some kind of world where, you know, maybe we wouldn't have to use cars because for some reason that's a huge problem. You know, having your own transportation and whatnot. But I just thought that was incredibly interesting when I was looking into, uh, you know, trying to pull up just a simple Wikipedia. This popped up first. They love the trains, wild. don't they? You see it in everything. You see it in like um, Snowpiercer, the world's yeah, <laughs> isolated yeah, yeah. to a train. What a good movie Snowpiercer is too, by the way. But yeah, it's quality. Um. So yeah, I mean, I don't know where we left off exactly. Obviously, he's, he's riding going the... down to the subway. He's going yeah. down to the metro, and he sees the chick, 
from the bottle of shampoo. Well, I think yeah, he so he's in the the metro, right? He's riding the metro for a little bit. I don't I forget if he sees her before or after, but it doesn't really matter. But yes, he gets he gets, you know, sucked into like just following this girl, right? Right. And cuz he's obsessed with her already, he's beat off to her who knows how many times. <laughs> and he is uh, you know, starts following her, she realizes this, and then the secret kind of starts getting out, right? I mean, they end up, uh, I don't know if we're jumping ahead too far here, but they end up going to like this underground meeting of like world leaders. It seems like global leaders. It almost seems like a world economic forum situation going yeah. on underground, right? Yep. I Are you going to say something down. on that? Yeah. I've got it written down where it's like, he gets, uh, it's when she leaves her bag and he picks it up. And follows her into that, into that freaking meeting, and like before that though, like they're on the train, and they meet, and she takes off right, and she's walking off, and she's like, "We need a new plan for Stefan." As she's walking off from him, and then, <clears throat> and then and again, uh, Stefan is not the main character. Stefan is the guy talking in Roger's head. Roger is the guy that you know she's interacting with in the real world. But yeah, Stefan seems to be Stephane one of these behind the, the scenes. Yeah, in Roger's head, and, and Roger unintentionally finds out that Stefan is not a psychotic or schizophrenic voice in his head, but is a real person because he accidentally leaves the mic on while he's ordering a pizza for lunch or dinner, mm-hmm. and right. he hears that conversation happening. He writes it down on his hand. He, mm-hmm. or he writes down the address of where. He wants to the pizza delivered to. And he has the intention of going there, but in the interaction with the the woman from the shampoo bottle, he gets so enthralled with her and fascinated with her that he starts to follow her to the point where the the Trex, which is this company that owns the railway systems, is called Trex with two X's. Some security guards stop him and they haul him away for questioning for some reason. Like, what does a a, a railway company have security guards like that for? If and they like knock him out, right? Yeah, like they, they knock, knock him out. Him out. They, de- they detain him. <laughs> yeah, and pull him in the back, and then they erase that writing on his hand. You know, mm-hmm. like they spray his hand, and yeah, man, it's just like a authoritarian to the max. With like, yeah, don't write shit on your hand. Like, don't don't have your own thoughts and all this stuff. And I think that they even ask him when he's in there, "Do you hear voices in your head?" Right? Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. And, and he's, he's like denying it because Stefan is in his head telling him to not. Say no, say no. Yeah, yeah man. And then somehow and, they end up at a at a game show. Like, well, let's yeah. go back to the ga- let's go back to the <laughs> gathering just quickly. Right, so yeah. the gathering, the late suite, we hinted at. She's telling him all who the big wigs and who the big hitters were, and she goes to one guy who looks like a complete idiot, and she says he's from the cardinal of the cardinal of the Church of Climate. He's yeah. the one that pushes the climate agenda. And it's right. a guy that looks like the dumbest motherfucker on the planet. Yeah. And he's sitting there giggling like a school kid. But she points out all the big players who we can surmise are adapted from personalities we know in the real world who push certain agendas and, and topics. Schwab, Kissinger, yeah. Gates, all these people. There's one guy she points out too where, you know, like this guy owns all of Texas and is he, he's illiterate. He's he can't even shit. read. Yeah. yeah, he literally can't even read. And this guy owns Texas. And they run this experiment on him at this, at this gathering. And if you were listening to that trailer, when he says this can be an antenna, 
he's holding up a piece of hair, right? Like that's what this whole thing is. Right. So what they do is they take this dumb Texan dude. Not the Texans are dumb. Okay. My grandma's from Texas for God's sake, but they use that as a, as a thing to be like, yeah, cause a lot of people for some reason think that conservatives, people that want to live out on their own, uh, a little more freedom and all this stuff. Those people are dumb for whatever reason. It's wild to me, but they say, uh, you know, they take this dude, uh, that owns half of Texas, put him in, uh, to a barber chair, essentially start massaging his head with the soap and give him a drink. And the drink tastes like shit. He says that in front of this group of people says, yeah, it's undrinkable. I- I'm not in any way going to take any more drinks of that. And the guy bond says, well, no, go ahead and drink it again. And he says, no, thanks. And then even though he's saying no, thanks, he takes a drink of the, of the, whatever he's drinking. Right. And he says, how did you do that? How did you make me drink that? And the crowd puts it all together. Right. Not, like it's almost, it's, it's strange. Cause it's almost like they're just finding this out, even though this technology has been in place for, it seems like some time. Right. But you see, like there is a, there's a correlation you see right there fairly early on in the movie to the shampoo dangst. And this mind control and this marketing that they're putting on people, they're not necessarily using it for horrible things. They're using it to sell shit. And that's usually what we see here is the mind control that we see and the propaganda is to sell things. But then that's when Nina speaks up and says, could this technology be used to sexually abuse a young girl or a vulnerable person? Right. And then that's when she wants to have sex. Yeah, you think she's a little a little freak, but then you start realizing like, oh, this girl was maybe, you know, kind of abused as a child through the tools here that this guy, this Ivan Bond dude that we're that we're, you know, understanding him as, as now, he might have been testing this out on his own daughter, which we see that in real life too. Mm-hmm. You know, we see this all the time with like, you know, the the um who's the damn uh Courtney fucking Kurt Courtney, the guy, Courtney Love? Courtney Love, yes, thank you. Courtney Love, like, you know, people like this, we see these weird things being tested out on these kids, um, potential mind control programs, the Skinner box, right? The whole idea where he used this technology, tested it out on his daughter and made her like super schizophrenic. So, yeah, man, we see that. And and it's kind of just portrayed really well in the film there early on again. The impression that I get from this gathering is that Barn is actually trying to sell this technology to other continents. Because we see representatives from the US, we see representatives from Asia, Southeast Asia, Japan, and the Middle East all there. And like you said, it's like the first time they've seen the technology. It's like he's selling this so they can control their masses. That's true. I always forget that, Drew, that that this is taking place in Europe, right? So, yeah, yeah, you got some people from Texas. You got people from all around Asia, everywhere else, that maybe this isn't going on there yet. And the Middle Eastern and Asian representatives uh, in military garb as well. They're like high-ranking generals so you can tell they're from totalitarian military states and they're probably looking for a a bit more of a streamlined way to control the masses right right yeah that's a good catch man again when i watch it dude i'm always just so like blown away by the visuals and the messaging like i don't really see all these details so it's kind of cool to talk about it all yeah so we go from this um this elite gathering we see this game show going on that bob was talking about (laughs) and it's like they've got immigrants. They look like immigrants. There wasn't a single white person in that group, and they have to win the game to almost get citizenship in the area, and if they fail, they get ejected out of the the room on a chair like some kind of a cartoon show. 
into the ocean. shot up into the sky into the ocean yeah <laughs> it's nuts yeah it, it is it's a hundred percent to get citizenship and they ask them questions like why do you love europe they don't say countries anymore they say mm-hmm. why do you love europe and this guy's frantically trying to figure out and he's like you're kind of dogs and he's like super nervous and he can't give a good answer <laughs> that anyone will like get passionate about but it sounds like the objective of the game is to like give some kind of cool answer uh, that would make people say like, oh, this guy deserves to live here. And if not, they just get like freaking thrown. I mean, far. It seems like they get thrown far and then they <laughs> land in the damn ocean. And then I would assume that, yeah, they're just you don't really see what happens. But um, I would assume that they just get, you know, and they're on their own at that point. Yeah, they're dead. <laughs> this is a stage where we also see Roger look at a sign. It's like a map of the entire railway subway system. And it all leads to a central point, which is Germany. Germany's got like the beacon point for all this whole railway system in there. Mm. Which ironically, our bad guy is is German, of course, and has of the creepy course. German accent as all the bad guys have to be in films. But we see um, Roger then leaves the game show and he f- continues to go with Nina. And he goes to like the, the big corporate offices or the factory for the shampoo. And he walks into the room where there's a giant big, like, Olympic-sized swimming pool where the vat of this stuff is. And it doesn't actually look like shampoo at this point. It actually looks like nanobots all swarming together. Yep. And I noticed that all the pipes leading down to it, they're all interlocking and coming down. It, look, it was very reminiscent of a brain. Yeah. Mm. That well, and, that you can, and you can hear little voices. Yes. As, as it, like, churns and stuff, you hear the voices in the, in this lake of nanobots or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. It's almost like a legion of voices all together. Yeah, it's like a bunch of consciousness like all just thrown mm-hmm. in there. It's it's it is definitely a weird uh visual there. And it's like this bright blue color. I've seen that, you know, you you mentioned uh that love death and uh robots thing, right? There's that episode in there focusing on that same blue color. Like there's something to that light blue weird like i don't know it's like a blue light almost right you remember that episode yeah we even saw that in demolition man like the freezing agent the little crystals are light blue yeah so there's something to this light blue uh like plasma blue kind of color i don't know exactly what it is but i'd be interested if anyone knows why blue right i wonder if it has a connection to blue light at all what's that sorry i wonder if it has a connection to blue light at all like you get from screens and phones and things like that it could, right? Like it has some kind of like effect on your brain or something. But, you know, the World Economic Forum uses this. CERN uses it. Like it, it's a, I think NASA uses like a different kind of blue. But like you see blue and all these kind of tech logos, obviously even a freaking Best Buy, you know? Control. Um, maybe it, maybe it's easy. It, it triggers something in the brain that makes you easier to control. Like similar well, to hey- how red and yellow together make you hungry, supposedly. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. well, there's studies in education about green spaces and open skies, right? And children who are exposed to the natural environment and an open blue sky are more relaxed and docile. So if the sky is a light blue color, people feel relaxed looking at the sky. So maybe it's just a weaponized version of that. Yeah, mm, possibly. Yeah. I I did see when I was looking into that World Economic Forum logo that blue and white together, like it kind of represent like sterile a sterile environment or like you see that in hospitals too, right? A lot of yeah. white, a lot of blue, a lot of like pale colors like that. So yeah, maybe it is like a submission, like a color of just calmness and like, just, just take what we're giving you here. You know, like I, right. I could see that. 
All right, now uh, this was the most telling scene next where it kind of jumps away from our main character, Nina, and goes to our big bad guy and he's questioning one of his little henchmen about what's going on. And he's asking if one of his operations has been fulfilled. And he says, yes, we managed to get hold of a passive signature. And then it cuts away to a man crying and signing his life away with a picture of him with a young boy by a poolside, mm. like he's being um, blackmailed for pedophilia to, right. to put his his name down on something, right? And that's something that just stood out because we know that happens in the world in our little uh, community yeah. that that people get put into situations, Hollywood parties, and they get put in compromising positions so they have to sign their life away. Undeniable. Yeah, that is uh, that that seems to be why so many people out there in positions of power are willing to do these horrible things to their fellow man, right? Like there's no other explanation unless they're freaking aliens or demons or something, which I lean more towards the blackmailing. Right. But like, that's why I will entertain the theory of lizard people, dude. Like there's no, there's no freaking reason that a human being would do some of these things. Like just poisoning, like, you know, going back to the fluoride. And that's what this thing reminds me of is fluoride. You know, it's, it's obviously quite a bit different because it's more used for selling, but you know, I think that we could say the same thing about things like fluoride, where you're selling healthcare when people are constantly sick with cancer and all these different things that fluoride does to the body. Um, Man, this, this is about total control. This is about them putting these nanobots in you and being able to control you completely. And that's why they were able to make that dude drink um, when he didn't want to. And it was terrible. He They still made him drink. And so it was about complete and total control. And I think he says, uh, the like main dude says something about it at that point in time. You know, he's he's talking about how it's, it's going to control everyone. Um. He's drinking the water, which he says is rancid. So it makes you wonder whether the the water supply is completely stuffed like the rest of the world. And that's the only way they can get people to to keep consuming is to subtly suggesting to them that it actually tastes quite delicious. Yeah. Yeah, man, there's a lot of freaking possibilities as to like what the all the underlying meaning. I mean, it'd be great to talk with this director, dude, like out of all the different films that I've seen. That's why, again, this is why this is the first one that I, you know, get the chance to to you know, bring to your guys' attention by far. I just think it, there's a lot of undertones to it, man. And I don't well, even understand all of them. Well, and there's the, there's the part where Nina says to Roger, you know, Roger's like, they're seeing all this shit in this corporatocracy and everything. And um, Roger's like, who do we, who do we fucking report them to? Do we, we report them to the authorities or what? And she says, they are the authorities. Mm-hmm. And that's when he like goes and runs and pulls like the the drain plug on that lake of where the voices are and everything, where the shampoo is. He like pulls the lever and drains it. Um and, he's and it like, fills just straight back up. Yeah. Yeah, once they run out, he thinks that he yeah. did everything right and they leave and then it just fills back up. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of goes back and, to what our um our, the main bad guy says to his little henchman is that his henchman says, I'm trying, and he says, Our trying is for the weak. Yep. Yeah, I do like that that quote though. That's a nice quote because yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, you know, but it's just he's using it in a horrible way. Like, yeah, you know, we're trying to ruin the world. Basically, it's like, <laughs> well, don't try, just do it. You know what I mean? Like, I agree with that if it's in a good way, if that energy is being put to something good. But obviously, this is not. Yeah, this and is here's weird. here's a. 
here's a link to that site, like the satanic sexual abuse that we see happen within elite circles. And we'll, we presume that they do it to their own kind, to their kids. And that's why it's gen- multi-generational. Right. He finds out from his henchman that his daughter's actually trying to, to help Roger out and do things. And he said, we've got it set up. We've got the system. We've got it all set in place. It's got the operations going to happen. And he stops and says, is there going to be nudity? Was there be nudity with this? And he goes, yes, sir. There'll be nudity. And he goes, oh, good, good. Very good. It's like yeah, he's man. setting his daughter up for some kind of a, some kind of sex scan that's going to be filmed. Yeah. Cause you don't, you don't really know. I, I would even say after the movie, you don't really know if Nina is trying to help him. I would say. Right. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about that, you Drew? Don't like, know if she's a good if if she's genuine protagonist or antagonist, right? I it got seems, the impression. Yeah. I got the impression that she was doing it all as a power grab to usurp her father's role because the last thing she says to our main character is, um, "What is your function?" She's parrots the exact same terminology her dictator father said. So it's almost just a means of a mechanism to take over the corporation that is the the railway system. Mm. Yeah, which we will get to at the end, you know. Mm. Big jump. jump Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah, that's the impression I got about it. She's taking him for a ride. Nina and Roger are running off, and and Roger's got his voice, Stefan, in his head. And Stefan says... um, you don't know the truth about her. She's a virus. Like he calls her a virus. And I thought that was, that was pretty interesting. Um, the voice says he's in danger. Um, uh, and then let's see. Oh, I wrote it. Stefan looks just like Roger though. That's the weird. Yeah. Thing. They look Stephane so much alike. Similar. Right. Which almost makes you think of that conspiracy theory that, there's a either an AI cloned version of you on a system somewhere, or there's a literal clone of you underground, and they can um, manipulate you on the surface world through your clone. So it's almost harkening to the idea that Stefan and him are more than just looking similar. They could be, in fact, right. linked in a lot of ways, intertwined well, somewhere. And then, and then Stefan says to Roger, he says, he says something along the lines of, "The longer you work inside someone, the longer you get to know them." Mm. the more you get to know them or something like that. It sounds um, kind of hot. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's, it's true in that way too. Um, but it's, it, this has been going on. Like you get the idea that this program has been going on for quite some time. Like, even though it was just kind of stated at the meeting or whatever, like it's been going on a while. You know? Yeah, they'd be like trying to get into the new phase at that meeting, it seems like, because I would agree. It seems like they've been doing it for a while. I didn't even put two and two together that they're trying to sell it to the rest of the world. I thought it was some sort of like just kind of showing off. You know how how board meetings are at corporations and things like that, where it's just like we profited this much this year and let, look how good we are, you know, all this yeah. stuff. I thought it was something like that. But what you said, Drew, makes a lot more sense is to like, yeah, they're trying to get this out everywhere to where you know, we can essentially have maybe a one world government where everyone is controlled by the same technology and whoever possesses the power over that technology would be that one world leader type situation. Okay. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And so this is when, um, this is when she, um, she seduces the Nina seduces Roger, you know, they're in a hotel room or whatever. And, 
she seduces him and it's alluded to that they smash out mm-hmm. right um and then the power notice... goes out right in the middle of it and he sorry kind of bob like freaks out did you notice what tattoo he had on his chest no i kept trying to see it so the tattoo yeah. on his chest is it's a castle with two turrets and a middle section like a keep with two hammers crossed over the top of it which can be linked back to the uh, so the early masons in the Holy Land under the Templars. Interesting. Mm. Wow. Interesting. I mean, every every bit of every movie has something in it. It's so insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but the power goes out, and Roger kind of kind of freaks out a little bit. Kind of realizes what's going on. Like he kind of snaps out of it. Um, and the voice in his head starts talking to him and tells him tells him that she's um Ivan Bond's daughter. And that's when um that's when he starts kind of being like, whoa, you know, and he doesn't know what to believe anymore. Like he doesn't know who's what. Mm. Do you remember that that's that it's a short scene, but there's that part where Stefan asks a coworker like, have you ever had someone like rebel against your like what you're trying to tell your subject what to do? Have you ever had someone do that? And it's an older lady, not terribly old. I I don't know. I'd say you know sixty, seventy, maybe. And she's like, if I'm remembering correctly, she says something like, "You just got to know how to talk to them. Like you got to know how to persuade them better. Like just you know, it, like she, he's like, when do I know if I report it? All this stuff. And she's like, you don't. If I'm remembering correctly, again, it's it's been a, a little bit since I've seen the entire thing. But do you remember that scene? Yeah, yeah. a little bit. It's, it's actually just dawned. It's actually just dawned on me that the whole plot of this film. I've put it together now. You know, at the start, how she's on her phone. Nina's talking about having another plan for Stefan, and Stefan's the handler. Yeah. yeah, she's using Roger because he's a physical approximation of Stefan, and she wanted to replace him the whole time. The idea was to take Roger seduce him get him on side get rid of stefan and place him in his place so he can take down the system which he does anyway but he doesn't do it in the fashion i think she intended i think she intended on completely controlling him putting him in his place there and like setting and forgetting whereas roger takes more of an active role in this that's interesting yeah yeah like it's almost like uh this dude wasn't very good at his job stefan right and so they're like let's get this guy that hates his job you know, he beats off to me every night. I'm going to say like, hey, go do this. You can you can get on the inner circle here. And then, right. you know, like you said, set and forget. I like that a lot. And just, you know, keep doing it. Maybe she was trying to get everybody that she could. Who knows how many dudes this chick's banging out there. Try and get as many dudes as she can in the role and just kind of have them all whipped over her. And if you have the people that are controlling the minds in the palm of your hand, then like you're, you're essentially controlling everything at that point. Right. So yeah, dude, another good observation there, Drew. I like that. That's sick. I mean, the movie gets better, dude. When you talk about it, I've been watching this by myself for like since 2009 (laughs) when it came out. It was, I was going to ask that it came out in 2009. I believe so. It's a year I graduated. Good year. Good year. Um, But yeah, 2009. We hear Nina talk about putting a, an EMP in the headquarters. Then we see a scene uh, where Mr. Park meets with Stefan. 
Like he he comes and meets with him and he takes him he takes him somewhere and Stefan thinks he's going somewhere else and he walks him down to the metro and Mr. Park is sitting there talking to him and he pushes him in front of the train and then lights out Stefan. Like they've officially taken Stefan out. Which was the plan. And if you really like if you're paying attention, you can start making the links of who's playing who's playing with who here. You know, you remember Nina on the phone saying, Hey, we need to find out something new with Stefan. Well, who do you think she was talking to at this point in time? Mm-hmm. You know, she was talking to Mr. Park and they realized that they had to take him out. Did you guys ever get a full like like concrete answers to how Nina it has these connections. It's, it can't just be her dad. Like, is it as simple as that for you that she can talk to all these people because of her dad? Cause it seems like her dad is kind of embarrassed of her. It seems like, and then it seems like she doesn't want anything to do with them. So why is she able to kind of get these things going the way that she wants them to go in the first place? Well, she's, I almost feel like, like she's yeah, the like, hot chick, right? She's sure. the hot daughter, the model, the face of, of the damn brainwashing. Of the, yeah of the you know the corporatocracy so like she's this this exalted thing already right so she's it is something just that everybody's beating off to she's so attractive yeah. that everybody's beating off to right she's using the greatest women the greatest weapon women have used for centuries sex right right Plus. i think it's i think it's that simple and of who her father is right like so so it's nepotism and attractiveness is what is going on here. Right. That's and it. you got to assume Mr. Park's helping her because he's going to get something out of it, right? Like he knows that she's clearing the way to where he, he will be exalted to a better position as well. You know, so he's trying and, to ride And you can that tell train. that. You can tell that in the interactions between Parks and um, Bond that he's a very dangerous elite leader that just tops people for the sake of it. So even his underlings and his little henchmen are scared of him. So they're more than happy to help someone else take over in the hopes that they'll be a little bit more lenient. And I right. think that's what they see out of this woman who's also stroking their ego amongst other things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I like talking about this dude. It's a trip. Yeah. What's funny is, uh, you know, so Stefan gets pushed in front of the train. Nina lies to Roger about it. Says that he got in, got on the train. And so Roger um, gets the EMP. Like, she gives him the EMP and is like, all right, you got to go up and take his position now. You're going to go up to the floor, and you're going to go into where he sits, and you're going to fucking turn on the EMP. And, and then you go hide in the bathroom and wait a little bit, and when you come back out, everything should be crazy because it's going to shut everything off. Um, and so Roger gets in the the building, goes and sits down and presses the button on the EMP, and our movie fucking turned off, like it shut down as soon as he pressed the button, dude. Legit. Dude. When you were watching it, yes, really, yes. As soon as he pressed the button, my TV went blank. Oh, I bet that was, was such like, a mind what fart. What the fuck? <laughs> I looked at my wife. She was like, we live in the Matrix, man. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> that is so funny. Like, it dude. shut off, and I had to go back into Amazon and turn it back on and resume and everything. Like, everything shut down. It was wild. That is nuts. 
Um, but then you see, like, I, you turn, I turned everything back on, and you see that they're having this this meeting. You know, he's doing this meeting, and he said, "Look, we've been already um, observing people and doing surveillance through their TVs since the 1990s." Which, when he said that, I was like, "Oh shit, man!" Like, like this surveillance shit, and he was like, "And now we're taking it to a whole new level with complete control, where we can." We can hear their thoughts, mm. and that's where you know you see the scene that is in the trailer where he's holding the hair, and he's like, "This to you is a hair; to us, it's an antenna." Yeah, which is nuts. Isn't it, isn't it interesting that Nina presents it to Roger that it's a simple EMP and it will just wipe the system, and no one's going to get hurt? But we soon find out that what he plants isn't exactly an EMP. Right. It's a bomb. It's mm-hmm. a bomb. <laughs> it's not an EMP. It's a fucking bomb. Mm-hmm. It goes off. Um, but this is like Roger's sitting at Stefan's desk and the, the boss dude rolls up behind him to like check and he's talking about Roger, right? He comes up and he's like, All right, we're gonna get to this guy where Every night, five minutes after his chick falls asleep, he goes and whacks off. <laughs> and he walks up and he sees that the screen is blank. Right? And and then all of a sudden it comes back on and it's it's the dreadlock dude that his chick was sleeping with. Um, leaning up against the bathroom door and the dude's like, what? And then it switches and as Roger turns around and looks at the guy... The screen no longer shows that guy. It shows the dude that Roger's looking at. And that's when yeah. the guy's like, wait a minute. And that's when the, the guys he's trying to sell this technology to, they're like, I still don't understand. How do we see through the eyes? And he says, why is this screen black? And we notice it's black because his eyes are closed at that time. And they're looking, they're trying to look at Roger's feed, but because his eyes are closed, the feed is not being shown. Right. And then he opens it up, his eyes and it shows the boss yeah it's like what the hell um and so roger grabs his shit and runs right and he runs down into the metro and hides in one of the tunnels and they're coming after him and it's it's ivan i'm pretty sure that ivan is coming after him chasing after him to to get him and he hides in one of the tunnels and the metro comes along and kills him uh, Ivan dies in the explosion. I'm pretty sure he's standing there, and he actually was knows that Nina was part of it. Yeah, and he starts. Yeah. To, he actually has that yeah. slow motion disintegration where it starts peeling his skin off and stuff. Oh, would have yeah, been cool if they right. added some scales in or something for a lizard person. But anyway, that's right. And his little henchman goes after him. The henchman that's been in it all along with Nina goes after him to try and um, snuff him out because I think the plan was all along that Rog would be in the bathroom and get killed in the explosion also. Right, but he didn't go to the bathroom. He he fled because he knew something was up. Right. Yeah, and so you assume that that they did want Roger dead, tying up them loose ends, you know, <laughs> in a nice pretty bow. But then that dude, I guess it was Mister Park, that Nina was was in with that got hit by the metro, um, and then uh, let's see. No, because Nina kills Park. Yeah, Check Park goes to type the loose ends. Park goes over to him. She hears his his ringtone, 
Park walks over with the right. gun and kind of holds it to his head. And then we see Roger thinking to himself, I didn't think I'd die like this. I thought I'd die in my sleep. And then we hear the gunshot and he opens his eyes and we see a hole in Mr. Park and Nita standing behind him with a gun. And this is where we kind of assume, oh, Nina is trying to help him. Nina's actually a good person. And we get into that dialogue of that, why did you shoot him? She says he's, he didn't uh, meet his function anymore. His function was to protect my father. My father was no longer protected, so he lost his function. And that's the impression I got that she's less than human. She's not really the person that right. we think she was. She sees people as uh, as a product or something that can be used. And because that guy no longer met his function, she eliminated him. Yeah, but she lets Roger go because Roger goes, well, what about me? She goes, and she dwells on it. She's like, she says, yes, what about you? What about you? And then he goes home to his chick um, and he says, tell me I haven't lost you. And and they they like make up and shit. And that's pretty much the end of the movie, right? Like it's yeah. There's there's some um, news stories that flash up where Nina takes over the controlling stakes of right. tracks and becomes the new head of the the shampoo manufacturer. But that's about it. Yeah, it, yeah, it gives really it leaves it. a lot open. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's an intense movie, man. Like it's it's got that that heavy dark theme over the whole thing, man. And it's really fucking intense. And I can't wait to watch it again at night where, where at I don't night. have freaking shit glaring all over it. Um, I almost yeah, sorry, guys. put I, something over the windows. I was freaking uh, I'm doing a little work here on the side. So, yeah. I, uh, but, yeah, dude, your guys' breakdown of this shit is, is better than mine. And I've, like, obviously watched it uh, more than, you know, both of you guys put together. But, like, the, the things that you pick up are awesome. Like it's, it's incredible stuff, dude. Like, I mean, the names alone and then like some of this other stuff, you know, like the t-shirts they're wearing, like, I don't notice that. So I did notice the hello kitty stuff a lot. Mm. And there's a lot of really, you know, sexual kind of weird stuff with hello kitty. I've heard some interesting stuff about that and how like Japanese people see that versus how Americans see it. It's like a cute kid thing here. And in Japan, it's more of a sexual thing. Um, really? which, you know, it's probably a step below tentacle porn, knowing the Japanese. Right. Yeah. They're fucking weird, <laughs> dude. You got some dude that's running like Toyota and then he's like wearing a diaper getting spanked by, you know, an old lady in his free time. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're very strange sexually over there, but, um, even the name, you know, you can think about all kinds of things with Hello Kitty, but I don't know if you guys noticed that it's over and over again. You see Hello Kitty kind of like yep. off in the corners and that was the main kind of subliminal thing that i saw but um yeah it's yeah, a hell of a crazy movie. because we're we're in germany right like that's basically it's in europe yeah you're um all leading back Hello to germany Kitty like is very asian you know that's that's not necessarily european culture references right right um i'm actually gonna see if we're like while we're live so to speak if I can I find, oh, go ahead. You keep going, Ron. I couldn't help but notice that we never got an answer for why the fuel sources have run out. There's like, there's no more fossil fuels. The environment's gone to shit, but it doesn't give an, an exact answer as to why. So we're left to speculate a lot. This whole film is almost like a totalitarian leader's wet dream. The environment's ruined because of the badness of man. And they've put it in a control structure where 
people are under the heel of oppression and it's essentially a 1984 adaption into an animation which is it's unreal i often thought how good it would be if it was live action with real people but i think it would actually take away from the guttural feeling you get that the uneasiness of it all so i think it's probably good that they did it in this animation style right um yeah it probably it probably probably i'd probably lose a lot of people if it wasn't in that set that type of a styling right well, and it won so many awards, you can get away with a lot of things when you do cartoons. Like, look at my favorite show on Planet Earth, South Park, right? They would not be able to do half of the stuff on that they do on that show if it was not construction paper cartoons. Yeah, you know no what I mean? No one takes like, it seriously because it's Yeah, no animated. one takes it seriously. Exactly. So, yeah, you're 100% dead on with that. Um, you said something else. I'm doing fucking 20 things at once over here. You said one other thing that was really – it just slipped my mind, though. Um do you remember what you said before that, Drew? That it never really explains why the world got to the state it was. Oh, with the fuel. hellscape of what the future wants. Yeah, with the fuel. Dude, well, I think we all that... know, man. They're lying about this. They're <laughs> oh, lying yeah, about sure. the fuel it's being to gone. to perpetuate the idea that it's a limited resource. Scarcity. Right? Yeah. And there, well, and, and even if like the, the, um, maybe the, the filmmaker of this, cause he seems like a woke dude. Like, uh, I, I don't, I hate using that term, but like a dude that is like legitimately awake. Not woke, maybe, but somebody that's like aware of like all these different things, unless he's part of the system and he's trying to like be like, hey, this is what we're doing. Get used to it, normalize it, whatever. Or is this film a warning? I don't know. That's for people to decide after they watch it. But I think that he's like, if you look into it, I I would say, dude, like there's no way that quote unquote fossil fuels are going to run out. There's just zero percent that that happens in reality. Now, we might get that message. But it seems like oil regenerates. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of proof to that, too. Now, I'm looking at this, uh, you know, origin story of Hello Kitty. And it, the story claims that Hello Kitty is is a result of a deal with the devil after a Chinese woman made a pact with Satan in order to save her daughter who was dying from cancer, specifically a cancer of the mouth. After worshiping and praying to the devil, he instructs the woman to create a Hello Kitty character in uh, return for saving her daughter's life. So this is the story behind Hello Kitty. And then apparently Hello Kitty just blows up and it takes all kinds of little uh, Asian kids by storm. Um, I don't know if that's true. Isn't that nuts, dude? Like, I, I heard that there was more of a sexual connotation to it, but maybe it is just as simple as like, you know, something freaky like that. I mean, I'm seeing that over and over again with a DuckDuckGo search. Like, you see a lot of Kitty, uh, Hello Kitty with 666 and, and like, all kinds of things like that. In Japan, apparently, there was a massive protest to ban Hello Kitty, um, stop Hello Kitty campaigns and stuff like that. But um, over here, we just love it. You know, it's a cute little cat. I think yeah. the one thing that I nail in this film is that Sure, they're they're pushing the resource scarcity idea to try and scare the crap out of people, but I think they're really trying their darndest to actually destroy the environment in such a way that we can't actually engage it in anymore. Like, this is just first-hand accounts. I'm seeing a lot of chemtrails being done at night. I'll go out for a run at night through my neighborhood. I'm in a a regional area, so we don't have a lot of light pollution. It's great. And you can see, when there's a full moon, you can see planes going past at night with the contrails coming out the back or the yep. chemtrails, whatever you want to call it. So they're doing it at night when people aren't supposed to be watching. 
but I think they're definitely doing things to the environment to make it look like it's humanity doing it so they can enforce those world economic forum green agendas well i i think our our trees are completely under attack you know i'm just like my wife and i always scream like haven't y'all seen the lorax haven't you read the book the lorax (laughs) stop cutting down the trees this is stupid because around here man like it everywhere there's fires right now around here they cut down trees like crazy because it's a lumber country um and then uh, there's tons of tree farms and stuff. And so you see trucks going down the highways in East Texas, just full of giant pine trees, giant fucking pine trees by the hundreds every single day, every single day. And then they're paving everything with black asphalt. They're spraying freaking aluminum in the sky to dissipate the clouds. It's been super, super dry. It was really, really, we were just talking about this too. It was really, really wet for a long time here which will bring the roots of everything to the surface. And then it suddenly got super dry. And then wind storms came in, started knocking tons of trees over because the roots were up high instead of down low. And now everything's dry. It's just ready for a fire. Like we're under attack. <laughs> for sure. If Now this is going on the same line of thinking, but Scotland recently cut down 10 million trees so they could put up enough wind turbines for their green emissions scheme. And then they have to try and figure out how they can capture carbon in such a way that they can offset the trees they cut down. Well, you just had the perfect bit of carbon capturing technology. It's a tree. It does the job, literally. That's what it does. It's the dumbest shit in the world. And I think that's what they're trying to do, right, is they want to push the climate agenda next. They'll be able to... If they can get the climate agenda through, they control everything. They control everything. Like, it, it, there's no more subtleties anymore, man. It is it is a game, set, and match. And they're trying to get the temperatures to raise enough to where it's miserable enough to where, and there's fires everywhere to where everybody's just like, all right, man, I guess do whatever you need to do because we can't keep doing this. And people don't go, wait a minute. It's just convenient that, you know, now since there was all this shit, you get to expand your power. Like, yeah, it's like they're mm. trying to piece things together and that, that problem reaction solution type of deal. We mm-hmm. know they do. Yeah, it's yeah. we're seeing in the northern hemisphere right now, bushfires everywhere. Like, hot fires are horrific. They've started the fear campaign in Australia that the east coast is going to burn again and we're all going to be in big trouble. But they're setting up that system of man made climate change to the point where they will be able to get the public's consent, air quotes, to do the aerosolized injections to kind of dim the sun a bit. And if they dim the sun, what type of a world are we going to end up in? A world that has no seasons, a world that looks like Metropia. Yep. Shout out. Dude, that's what's nuts, man, is um, at the end, when the seasons come back, when all this stuff gets lifted, there is, you know, we talked about how it checks all the boxes. Bob mentioned that so eloquently in the beginning, right? And I mean, add weather control to it too. You know, uh, the whole idea of of the weather modification and um, you were talking about chemtrails, Drew. Uh, Another thing that's in those that we don't talk about is fluoride. And then I've done some research where it shows that lithium is in that stuff too. And lithium is a drug that calms people down. They give this to people that are manic, uh, suffer from mania, suffer from bipolar disorder. So one thing that is really interesting to me that I've I've mentioned in a, a few episodes is 
like, I wonder how we are supposed to feel like, what if all three of us and everyone listening to this and everyone on this planet right now is sicker than hell? Like, what if we're all sick and we're constantly mm-hmm. in pain, but we don't even realize that because it's normal. Like you hear these stories of people that have like football sized tumors, like professional size. We're not talking peewee football, professional size footballs taken out of their stomach and they just feel like a load has been lifted off of them but they didn't even notice they didn't feel anything different because you get used to this the human body's so incredible that it can adjust to all these things and when you start seeing earlier when when these like poisonous things like fluoride i hate to keep bringing it up but like fluoride is introduced to the population, you start seeing that like 64% of spinal deformities are present in kids in these towns. We don't see that anymore. The fluoride is higher than it was back then, but what if spinal deformities is like the normality, right? So everyone's got a spinal deformity. If we were to go back 100 or 200 years back, maybe we would look like freaks and we would feel awful because the people there actually don't have to suffer through all this shit that we feel today, but we just don't realize it. And so we're all feeling one way when we're all sick as shit. Like hundred percent. I mean, they want to keep us sick and dumb, right? Like that's the agenda is just keep us sick and stupid. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm an old motherfucker and like I ache and creak and crack everywhere. Like if I'm going to get up from sitting down for a while, and because I haven't walked in a while, my feet are gonna hurt. Do you make oh, the old yeah. man noise when you get up? Uh huh. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm as old as fuck, man, and it, I feel it. And I don't think it's a natural state because I think we should be able to live, you know, well over a hundred years, if not hundreds of years. Are you on your feet all day for work? A lot, yeah. That's I mean, I why drive a lot too, but okay. I was gonna say that's your why you're. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm on my knees. <laughs> I also wear garbage shoes, so. Well, so, uh, like Keds? <laughs> no, I <laughs> I wear loafers, man. It's like the closest thing to a house shoe that I could find to wear because I like to just slip my shoes on and roll. Um, And for a while, I just wore house shoes everywhere. But I was like, I got to <laughs> wear something a little bit nicer than house shoes. And I started wearing loafers, man. And so I just wear loafers everywhere. Okay. Where's the Crocs, Bob? Come on. Idiocracy taught us Crocs are the way to go. Dude, I just can't. They're comfortable, but goddamn, they're fucking hideous, man. I got You look pair. like such a faggot in Crocs. You, you don't want yourself to look like you're wearing actually, Swiss cheese. Get I some yellow just, ones. I just bought my first pair recently against my wife's will. She fucking hated the idea of it. And uh, I bought a pair just to see. I'm like, I gotta see what it's about. I have to. And I bought a pair and I put them on and I was like, man, those are fucking terrible looking, but good God, are they comfortable? Your dick shrinks <laughs> by three inches when you uh, buy a pair of Crocs. Well, I don't I don't have three inches uh. to lose either. So <laughs> No man. No, I, I do agree they are comfortable. I even have the off brand. They're called Sharks from Walmart. Yeah. They call them Sharks. <laughs> and uh I'm not even kidding. Like yeah. shark brand shoes. Yeah. And they're they're nice, dude. Like I don't care. I'll, I'll super look super comfy. And I There's can give up three inches, unlike most. You know what I mean? So I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Buddy. I'm kidding. I Some I need three inches. Shit. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally joking there. But um, yeah, man, it is interesting to think about all that stuff, though. Like just the the different ways that we're all just under attack constantly, man. And 
it's sad, dude. It's really sad for future generations. It's going to be a, a really kind of dark world if, uh, if we keep moving in this direction, dude, there's no, there's no easy way out at this point either. It's, it's, it's interesting. To be isolated to the cities, man. That's why I'm staying out in the fucking country, man. I don't think yeah. so. But... I think, I think they want everywhere. It's interesting that you mentioned lithium, Ryan, because when people say lithium and the way the world's going with batteries and clean energy and the electrical grid and all that type of stuff, people naturally think of Africa as where the stuff's getting mined and brought from. Yeah. Australia has the largest reserves and manufacturing of lithium in the world and no oh. one talks about it. So it really points out why Australia has been targeted so hard, yep. especially within the last three years, but the last 40 years, Australia's always been the place of the testing grounds where they, they pull it off in Australia they think they can do it anywhere. But if the lithium right. reserves are here that they're going to build this infrastructure on, it makes a lot of sense. Now, I've heard this about Australia, too. Is your immigration policy extremely strict? Like, if people want to move into Australia, is it extremely strict? Uh, not particularly. Um, we do have caps on who can arrive, um, like, numbers-wise. But anyone can come here, man. Anyone can okay. here. Do you know if that changed recently? Because I heard a while back that like you had to have, if you wanted to move there, you had to have like a job already or you had to have like a legitimate business plan in place if you wanted to move there. You have to have a, some kind of a source of income. And they've recently changed the, the the number of who can arrive in Australia. Like we're expecting half a million people within the next two years into a country that's only 26 million. And it's going to increase from that. That's some incrementally. rookie numbers, man. We let in millions. Isn't it? Like my yeah. state is is um, let in millions six point yeah. five million, and that's like the size of some American cities. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah and Bob, we don't do anything. We, well, you and I, yeah. we don't do fucking. We are, we're not in on this. But yeah, <laughs> dude, it's it's disgusting, man. And and from what I understand too, most people live on around the coast, right, uh, mm-hmm. where you're at, which makes sense. I mean, there's coast on all. I mean, every damn side of Australia has got a coast. But to me, it's just interesting, like. I wonder what keeps people there that know like what, like what keeps you there family and stuff like that. Friends. Family. It's, it's, it's a really suckerish thing to say, but this is my home. Like I, I get can't it. No, no, dude, I get anywhere it. else. Well, well, the problem with Australia, throw into that. We're on an reason, island. You can't escape. Right. Like <laughs> in order to leave, you have to go like 10 hours away. Like, right. like you can't just, be like, you know what? I don't like Connecticut. I'm out of this motherfucker and just drive to Virginia and you're in a different place. <laughs> like, shit, if, if I want to get on a plane, I have to drive like two and a half hours just to get to the airport. It's similar oh, for me, about an hour, hour for me. So cut in half. But I mean, you see, you see these crazy things going on with Australia and then like just New Zealand, which is like, you know, stones throw away. It's completely different, it seems like. Like, it almost seems like all these elites have, like, bunkers and shit there, from what I've heard. So you wonder what it is. You know, I don't know how similar the, the obviously, I don't, I, I don't know, dude. I know nothing about the whole area, really. But I, it's just fascinating to me because, you know, the average person's going to confuse an Australian or, you know, for a, a Kiwi, right? Like, you're going to yeah. confuse these two. It but, might as well be considered another state of Australia. We're that similar. We're right. Literally exactly. cousins. Exactly. Point. You said it, not me. Okay. I can't say that. Because, <laughs> dude, I, I mean, people get offended. You know, if, was, if, if was someone. Is Kiwi co- a derogatory term? No. It's based off the bird that lives there, the Kiwi birds. Well, yeah. They call but... them Kiwis. Yeah. Not exactly. really. Do not they really. find that offensive? Like, ah, nah. don't call me a Kiwi. 
I was told they didn't, so that's why I said it. If yeah. I offended any Kiwis out there, I won't say that anymore. But yeah, uh, I, I will definitely. If you are offended by you want a derogatory term for Kiwis, <laughs> yeah. What's an derogatory term it? for New Zealanders? We call them sheep shaggers. Sheep shaggers. <laughs> that's like a goat fucker. That's yeah, like more that, nice that's... than. It just and then I also nice. heard banana bender too. Banana yeah. bender's a good one. <laughs> What's the, what what does that mean though? Is that just a fat? Is that just another word for fag? Well, I think they, they sit gr- on the bananas like to curve them. Right? Yeah, <laughs> they, diluting the butt. They, they grow. North Queensland is our tropical area of Australia where they can grow bananas. So we call any from one from Queensland a banana bender because that's their job is to bend the bananas. Now is that where Victoria is? Uh, Victoria's in the south. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man, I got to sharpen up on my geography. But None and, and that's accurate what... anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who knows what the world really looks like? It may not. <laughs> I'm knows? in the dodecahedron camp. I think it looks like a crystal of some kind. Oh, I shit, man! I don't fucking know. I can't even. I think it's a flat, infinite layer cake. I think it goes infinitely this way and infinitely this way. It could. Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? But I'm glad. I mean, I, I really appreciate you guys indulging me and in, uh, getting into this movie. And uh, sorry, I wasn't 100 oh, percent here. It. I'm working right. at the same time. Oh, well, well, let's give it for, our, thanks our for giving conspiracy us breakdown. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, let's give it a little out of 10 as a conspiracy film out of 10 Kennedys. What would each of you put it down as? Start with you, Ryan. This is your your little piece to go through. Yeah, man, I'll go uh, 9.8. The reason I won't give it a 10 is because there's got to be a better one out there. But this, for me, is the pinnacle uh, that I have seen so far. And I've seen, I've got a whole list, uh, you know, I've got a whole list of movies that I share with people when they're curious about conspiracy movies. This is my number one pick that I've seen so far. Only reason I I don't go 10 is because there's got to be something better out there. Uh, But yeah, 9.8, and and I would give it a 10, uh, you know, but I explain myself. But yeah, I, I would. I'm at an eight or a nine. Like it's it's really good. I will watch it again. Like it'll be kind of one of those ones that I just kind of put on the rotation every now and again. Where I'm like, you know what? I haven't watched Metropia in a while. I'm gonna check that out. It's uh, great to sleep to because it's so well, damn dark. It's, right, <laughs> it's super dark. Um, but it's one of those movies that has enough in it that you can watch it 10 times and find new shit every time. Um, so, I, you know, that always puts things up at the top. If I can watch it more than once and it's, you know, I see fresh shit every time I watch it, that'll put a movie up there. So I, I'm in an eight or nine. Hard number. You got to give it a hard number with decimals, <laughs> nine. potentially. Nine, okay. nine flat. Nine flat. I like it. All right. I'll go nine. All right. I'm going to be the negative Nancy on this one. I'm going to give it seven. Oh, I think I think it ticks all the boxes for conspiracy film, but the animation and I sound like a big girl's blouse when I say this, the animation scares the shit out of me like sock puppets too and mimes and mannequins and marionette dolls. It makes me feel very uneasy. But I thought we were just going off of the conspiracy right here. I I, I thought we were going to. If I take away the visuals of it, because the visuals are very overpowering, I'd put it at an 8.5. Okay. Yeah. I like and it. And then okay, and then and then if we'll go just as a movie entertainment wise, I put it at a seven because the visuals make me feel uneasy. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. I still stick around a high eight, 
low nine. I'll go. I'll, I'll go eight nine as a movie overall. Maybe nine two. We'll go nine two because I again, this is one of my favorite movies, and I actually like disturbing visuals. Like I'm a big fan yeah. of. I don't know if you guys have seen like the ABCs of Death, but I love creepy animation. Like even things like Coraline back when I was in middle school. Oh yeah, Coraline's fucked up. Dude, I love dark animation because I think like, you know, growing up as a kid, I used to watch Saturday morning cartoons and I'm artistic and autistic, but I draw, <laughs> you know, I, I, I love drawing, dude. I, I love, I, and I appreciate art. Well, we and, all grew up with Tim Burton, you know, which kind exactly. of made us all like kind of that dark theme. And it may be some nostalgia because of like Nightmare Before Christmas and things like that, right? Yeah. Um, the Batman movies that Tim Burton did. I mean, those were live action, but they seemed animated because of all the theatrics and all this stuff, right? Um, I, I love dark cartoons. If it's a creepy cartoon, there's that one too. I'll give the name before I get out of here, uh, or before we get out of here, rather. It's a like the this cartoon, uh, like claymation almost type thing that gave kids like night terrors. It was so disturbing, and I love that shit. I don't know what that says about me, but oh, I really dude, do I like, like the creepier the better. Yeah, man. Like I, I really do enjoy it. So it's funny that that's a turn off for you, Drew, <laughs> and and for me and Bob, the Americans here, it is a turn on. You know what I mean? Hey, fun fact though, Tim Burton directed Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Not a right. surprise there. That was his Jesus. first directorial debut. Pee Wee's Big Adventure is phenomenal as well. <laughs> I watched it with my son and he was he loved it. And I was just like, oh shit. Like this this is fucked up. I can't believe I watched this. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I wow. uh, meet someone named Francis, I always say their name. Francis, like how he says Francis, <laughs> remember that? Yeah, <laughs> when he realizes that he stole his bike. <laughs> yeah, man, I always say that. Um, I'm gonna try and find this movie before we go, but uh, did we all give Bob? I don't think you gave your uh, your the, rate just film writing for rating as overall. a film. No, oh, just as a film. Um, I, I'd I'd probably be at like a, like eight nine. Um. Uh, Eight and a half, if I have to go into my head. Um, because, I mean, it's good. It's a good movie. Like it, it, It's kind of slow, but it keeps your interest the whole time. You know, there's something important going on the entire time, even when it's kind of quiet and seemingly slow. There's always shit that you need to be paying attention to. Um, and for that, man, that's... If you could pull that off what with such a, a kind of a slow movie, then you've done pretty damn good. And the fact that it has that I like the animation, man. It's kind of cartoony, stop motiony, very marionette. Like it's like they animated fucking Team America. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's fucking good, man. I like it a lot. Oh yeah. Well, I'm glad that you guys did enjoy it. Another another great well suggestion because you know my my new number one favorite movie was a was a Ryan Dean suggestion as well. So, well, I would have never watched this if it wasn't for this show. So thank you, Ryan. Um, there that was it. That was Metropia. That was our September episode. So next month, October, spooky month, we're getting ready to do a Halloween spectacular where I think the three of us are going to pick a film each. 
and we'll just unload what we notice from each film to each other and present it that way. Yeah. That should be yeah, fun. That's going to be fun. Now, were we going to watch all three of these movies? Because Bob and I had talked about how it might be interesting to play the trailers at the end of the current episode. Um, I don't know if you guys uh, had that idea or if it was meant to be a surprise, which movie we're taking. Because you guys probably both know what I'm taking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have been making a surprise for the listeners. Yet. Okay. Cool. That uh, sounds good to I've, me, man. I've got to yeah. find something that's going to kind of straddle the fence of kind of Halloween theme, but horror, but with a lot of little nuggets in it as well. Hey, so. what a perfect episode. It's a three for one special people. Come on. Yeah, man. And it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge to rifle through these movies. We will have to, because I do want to kind of try to learn about what you guys are going to be doing. um, So I can watch these. So I can kind of like give my feedback on them too. But um, I found this movie. It's called the house. This was the, the, the creepy Netflix stop animation movie. I can play this trailer on the way out. Not that we're going to do this movie, but this was one that um, Drew, maybe you do not watch because it's creepy animation. <laughs> and Bob, maybe you do watch because I don't know if you have Netflix or not, but this is a good uh, creepy animated movie. Do you guys want to watch the trailer or do we want to just get out of here? Let's watch it. I'm down. Let's watch it. All right. I hope you don't get nightmares, Drew. Like I'm going to feel bad. You can call me, buddy. I'm very download scared. So you can cover your eyes if you need to, man. Download WhatsApp. Shoot me a text. Uh, but yeah, this is it. It's an anthology of three movies there on Netflix. It's called The Host. Or the, I'm sorry, The House. I love anthologies. Hi, darling. It's me. It's the biggest day of my life today. If you could be thinking of me, maybe say a little prayer. I'd really appreciate it. Hello? Here we are. Magnificent. Every day I can see the real potential of this house. I'm here to discuss the terms of the agreement. Canapé? You have to nourish the soul of the house. Wonderfully elegant, isn't it? The family must take up residence in the house. Can we ask you some specific questions? How beautiful. I've invested my whole life in this house. What happened? <laughs> Don't be afraid. <laughs> Oh, yeah. They're going absolutely nowhere. It's time to move on. It's confusing, yeah. <laughs> I don't want this anymore. You can't stay here. Christ, that was quick. Time to get you home. 
solid. It's Dude. fucking scary too. <laughs> Thank, thanks for that nightmare fuel, Ryan. That's great. That looks it, it, amazing, <laughs> and I will watch that with my older son. That yeah, does man. look child friendly enough. You don't want him to sleep for a week. Yeah, if you don't want him to sleep. <laughs> it is scary, dude. This was supposedly when it came out, it was giving kids like night terrors and all kinds of stuff. But it's great, dude. Like Kim, it, it freaks Kim out. Like Kim can't watch it. We watched it twice. And uh, she, she's like, dude, I don't want to watch that shit anymore. It's it's very dark. But I love that stuff, man. I love that kind of stuff. So, Oh, dude. The creepier, the better. I'm into it, man. Yeah. So I, and that's why like, I, I, I want to try to find something super creepy with some decent little nuggets in it for the Halloween spectacular. That's going to be a good time. Yeah. And thank you guys both again for just including me in these, man. These are fun. Always. Oh, yeah. This is a blast, dude. No Heck problem, yeah. mate. These are, these are really good. Uh, that was it, folks. We'll see you for the Halloween spooktacular and we'll catch you next time.